0: Flippity-flop, crippity-crop, True North Talk going straight to the top.
1: Trust in the truth in episode 38, I already know, with our God, all things are great.
0: Mm. Welcome back, everybody, to True North Talk episode 38 with your favorite hosts, Joseph Staten and Peter Burnett. And I just want to commend ourselves very quickly on that intro, but we'll go ahead and move past that right into the <laughs> topic of today's episode, which is... And I'm obviously joking. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously joking, but... Uh, our episode today is going to be focusing on the story of Abraham and Isaac, and if you guys listened to our last episode, uh, you'll notice that we did mention this in our last episode. It was somewhat relevant to, to last episode's topic uh, about why you should follow Jesus and the the true nature of his sacrifice. So if you have not already heard that, make sure you go listen to that episode right now. Um, but without further ado, I guess briefly to give you guys uh, somewhat of an idea of of What's going to be in this today's podcast? So we can just go ahead and look at one of the sections of the scripture we'll be going into, which is uh, Hebrews 12, which we're not going to read first, but I feel like a, a relevant and applicable topic from that passage is something called the mountain of fear and the mountain of joy. And really, just how, how different those two things can be in our lives. Um, and how, if we choose to live by fear versus joy, as opposed to joy. Those are two really, really different views on life that simply come down to your perspective. So uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting episode, but uh, unless you have anything that you want to, I'm sure you have something that you want to to brief the listeners on, Peter, before we d- get in the scripture. But for all of you who are going to be reading along, we're going to be starting in Genesis 22. So without further ado, Peter, if you want to go ahead and uh, give your breakdown before we dive into this.
1: For sure. I think, what you just said about Hebrews twelve is perfect because in this story that we're gonna be reading from today, Abraham goes up on a mountain with his son Isaac, and we'll get into why he was was going up on that mountain and, and what what the purpose of that of that visit was. But I think you know, going from a couple of different perspectives, in one sense, what what God asked Abraham to do would have created fear. But at the end of the day, God's plan was for that to be a mountain of joy. And I'll get into what, mm. what that means later. I'm gonna kinda kinda leave that a little bit a little bit hidden right now, just a little bit of a teaser. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if you wanted to kinda talk about Abraham's story, Joe, or if you wanted me to, but um if if you're not familiar, he was really the the patriarch of actually two faiths. His his son Ishmael and mm. he he had you know he was he was in old olden age when he had Ishmael but Ishmael basically became the father of of Islam and then on the flip side his son Isaac was kind of the starting point of the story of Christianity because I I think you know and I'm not I'm not a, a scholar of, of the Islamic faith but, or of the Muslim faith, but I'm, I'm, you know, they have a a creation story. I believe that's, you know, is similar to the one that we find in the Bible. I think they also have, have a great flood as well. And so really leading up to Abraham, it was kind of similar background, similar story. And then that's where it kind of split off. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know, I don't know if you wanted to dive in the story more, but basically Abraham was first Abram. And then, God promised him to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the uh, the grains of sand uh, on the on the seashore. And when I think I believe when he made that promise is when Abram's name was changed to Abraham and his wife then Sarai, her name was changed to Sarah. And so God God makes this promise and then the promise doesn't happen at first. And I think that's maybe the first lesson. It won't be the main theme today, but trusting God's timing. And I know that's such a typical answer from people in the church that just is kind of used as an, an excuse when you're waiting for an answer for a solution and it doesn't arrive arrive right away. Mm. And yeah, so I think patience is the first lesson and, and I'll let you kind of expand on maybe what you take away from that.
0: Well, patience, and um, just an overarching statement that I feel like our listeners can take away and relate to, hopefully, um, and apply in their lives, is something I'm definitely not going to get into detail. But Peter and I just had a conversation part of the podcast, and this just came into my mind, Peter. I wasn't expecting to talk about it, but um, when you know the subject of of fear versus joy, um, I think fear in a lot of ways. I mean, there's many different contexts in which this could be the case, but it's something that, that Satan uses against us to prevent us from getting closer to God. Um, and Peter and I, um, especially in the past year, but throughout our friendship have had the ability to, to be open and honest with each other and not be fearful about sharing much with each other. Um, when it comes to, you know, prayer and relying on God and and just being vulnerable, And I think fear is a massive barrier to that. And I think, honestly, it can be a barrier in our relationship with God as well. Because if we're living in a state of fear, that ultimately shows that we're not trusting God. Mm. Um, But I think that fear is something all humanity will struggle with, you know, really till we die. I think it could definitely be kept under control through the power of the Holy Spirit um, and oftentimes eliminated even. But um, it's something that I think, can really negatively affect us in many different ways if we allow it to prevent us from being close to the Lord and, and open and honest with ourselves and those around us that are close to God and, you know, trust him as well. Um, so I just want to say that because I'm not sure if anybody else out there can relate to that, but that's something that I just experienced. Um, and Peter can attest to that. It's, it's so important not to let fear, um, prevent you from, Um, being open with yourself and with the Lord. Um, now what you're saying about Isaac, some background on Isaac. Um, so Isaac was born from Sarah and Sarah became pregnant at a very old age, Mm -hmm. which Abraham started losing faith that he would have offspring because his wife was getting old and it just was not happening. Right. (laughs) And if you read here, Genesis 21, um, Now, the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Uh, Abraham gave the the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded. Abraham was a 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now, a 100 years old is not necessarily as old as we perceive it to be in our generation because... I believe that this was prior to the time in which God limited humanity's years.
1: I think it was years. Wrong. Years were starting to be, I believe, limited. But um, and, and mm-hmm. wh- while you're expanding on that, I'll, I'll get an exact number on how long Abraham lived to, because it's probably a couple chapters later um, when he when he passes away. Um, but it, I think at this point, maybe it was more around like. 200 years or life or may, maybe up to like 300. I think it was down from like the, you know, 900 plus years that, that Methuselah lived for.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like I said, this is not as old as we perceive it to be, but it's still mm-hmm. a long time to have children. You know, right. 100 years old is pretty old to have children even in these days. Um,
1: 175.
0: Okay. Yeah. So still not as old as we perceive it to be, but still pretty old. Mm-hmm. Um, now Yes, Isaac was the blessed uh, side of Abraham's lineage you also had Hagar which bore a child Ishmael uh, which I believe the lineage of Ishmael is where ultimately um, the Arab population was born and therefore eventually the the Muslim religion uh, comes from that lineage and that's really the two lines you said there's two lines I think Isaac is the you know carries on the Jewish heritage and Ishmael is the Arab heritage And it's it's the splitting line between God's what we learn is God's blessed people, which is the Jews and those who are uh, at least in the Old Testament times opposed to the Jews. Um, Now, fast forwarding to today's scripture, we're going to go ahead and read when God tested Abraham. And as I was saying in my earlier example, um, and I'm curious, Peter, before we go into this difference between fear and joy and just this story, if you have any any ideas or stories or any examples in which fear can prevent you um, from from growing in your relationship with God? Any ideas on that?
1: I mean, there's a hundred different directions I could go with this. I'll keep it a little bit shorter and simpler though. I would say when, when you were talking earlier, I also thought fear can kind of be a distraction from focusing on God. And what I mean by that is we allow it to consume us so much that we don't allow time for anything else or to even pursue finding that joy. And it mm. becomes so destructive that it it tears down any bridges that we can have to joy. And mm-hmm. I think that, that for me is what's the most striking part of fear. Um, you know, for me personally, or another word I would use for fear, it comes in the form of anxiety for me. And, I mean, honestly, also, it's a little bit selfish and self-serving, too, because you become so consumed with yourself and trying to overcome your anxiety or your fears by yourself. But really, what I found, and I certainly still still deal with it, and as somebody who was going through it before, I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, look at me, I've made it through it, but... Really, what, what got me through it was a trust and depending on God and knowing that with, with God and the wisdom that he provides, we can overcome that. And, and the wisdom for, for me was just realizing we are in control of our own minds. And obviously, I was able to pull th- some things from, from worldly perspectives, like our, our book that we've mentioned a lot, Think and Grow Rich. But really, by, by doing that, the kind of the, the teachings that come from that book— And approaching it from a biblical, God-first perspective, that's what turns fear into joy. Because then you... I'm not going to say you no longer feel any fear that you see it, but it becomes a much smaller part of your focus. And you're able then... It's almost like... Like if you have a cloudy windshield, you know, whether it's ice or just fog or something, and you have bad wiper blades, it's and i would say bad wiper blades are represented by a a worldly perspective of trying to to get rid of of one problem with with even more problems it's it's like using mm. wiper blades that are still frozen over and you just try to you try to use those to scratch off the ice and it just makes the problem even worse and makes your vision even more blurry but if yeah. you replace those bad wiper blades with good ones with with you know that that reliance on god then you're able to to clear, those, clear that windshield and be able to see clearly and be able to, instead of seeing a cloudy vision, being like, oh, what's, what's happening? I, I don't know what's going on. I, I can't focus on anything. You then realize, oh, I'm in, I'm in much better hands than I thought I was. I can see what's going on. I have somebody backing me that is literally the most powerful being in the universe. And so knowing that we have that power is i would say the key to turning fear into joy
0: yeah and fear is something that really can be consuming i mean it's really i mean especially talking about like social anxiety i think so many people deal with that today Hmm. um i think that is something that is literally like a uh, it's just a revolving door it's a a cyclone that you just get sucked into um something that I've experienced somewhat, I wouldn't say I've, I've really struggled with that luckily and praise God for that, but um, I can see how people would start to struggle with that as, as that's something that um, the more you think, the more you dwell and think about that fear, the more it seems to grow uh, and you just can't get away from it. And there's been, you know, I've heard stories and um, experiences, you know, with just with fear in general, where even when you experience joy, and I think that's really the, maybe the definition of, You know depression is that like even if somebody's depressed and they claim they're depressed even if they experience joy they can't even enjoy it because they're thinking in their head like well a couple hours from now it's just going to come right back and they just can't get away from that fear um and that's why i think it's so important my initial point is that when we experience that fear that we address it we pray about it and if we need to as i said earlier you know take refuge in our our godly um brothers and sisters, um, and, and rely on them in prayer and and be open and don't fear that somebody that you trust and that has a genuine relationship with the Lord is going to ever, um, judge something you tell them because it's, we're all sinful. I mean, we're, we're so incredibly sinful that it's unbelievable. And I think a lot of our fear sometimes as believers, especially is that we hold ourselves to a high standard. So anytime you experience something that's like, I don't know, a disappointment. You don't ever want to have that burden or, or share that with anybody except just carry it yourself and keep it between you and God, which I think there's a time and place to keep something b- b- between God and yourself. But there's also a time and place if something is bothering you to, you know, share that with others that you trust and, and really labor and prayer over those things and depend on the Lord to bring you through those things. Um, so yeah, that was kind of bringing that whole point around, but, um, I think we should probably get into some of the scripture so we don't go too far on time this episode. So
1: Right. Well, uh, well, the one thing for, for you, Joe, I'm not sure if you want to kind of come back to it later to round out the episode. Do you want to read that Hebrews 12 passage now, since that's what we've talked about for the most part, fear and joy?
0: Yeah. Yeah, we okay. can. We'll just go into that. That's, that's a good idea. Um, cool. Kind of flow with the episode. So sure. I'm going to read um, Hebrews 12:18 through 29. So for all of you who want to follow along reading... You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous and made perfect, to Jesus, the meditator, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven?" At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is is a consuming fire. Hmm. Um, Powerful stuff. So honestly, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go ahead and let you... You know, speak what you think about that, but I honestly notice f- themes of of fear and joy in that, mm-hmm. um, but I think the fear that's even in that passage is not the fear that we are speaking of. It's not an unhealthy fear. It's kind of what we've mentioned in the past about maybe a, a fear out of respect rather mm-hmm. than a fear uh, from dread
1: definitely. Well, on that point, first of all, that's really a perspective thing because. Even as Christians, we can fear God as this Zeus-like figure that's just going to strike us with lightning whenever we mess up. And so I think that's kind of what it's talking about here. Like you said, Joe, it's realizing that from the changing your perspective that this isn't a fear that we need to be shaken by or that, that leads to darkness, gloom, and storm, like it says here. But it's it's instead, and it's it's such a beautiful contrast here, especially 18 through 21 verses 22 through 24. I just I just love how 21 ends with the sight was to- so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear and then how it quickly like that switches to but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of angels in joyful assembly, the church of the firstborn, names written in heaven, God, the Judge of all, spirits of the righteous made perfect, Jesus, the Mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkle, sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel was a character who presented his was a figure in the Bible who presented the best of of his of his animals, I believe, and then his brother Cain had, you know, veg, like uh, fruit of the earth that he gave to God, but he didn't give his first fruits, and Cain then saw that Abel was favoring God because of that, and he got jealous and ended up killing him. So, that's what it refers to here when it talks about the blood of Abel. And so, it's, it's that I think that's another thing here, talking about how the blood of Jesus provides, first of all, a new covenant, so we no longer have to sacrifice animals like they did in the Old Testament, but it shows that his blood was pure, and that his sprinkled blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, so... Again, a couple of points that I took out of it, but I think the the, the best thing for me as somebody who loves both writing and reading, you know, cr- creative literature is that contrast between especially the first three verses and then the next three um, or the first four and then the next three. But again, just a beautiful passage. And I love how how 28 and 29 ends. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God. And this is my most, my my, my most favorite part is God is a consuming fire and that's not a fire that we should be terrified by, but that we should have reverent fear for.
0: Yeah. And, uh, I'm reading my study Bible here. It says, "Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem." These are synonyms for heaven itself, mm-hmm. exactly uh, for the description of the abode of God, the city of Jerusalem in heaven. And then, the blood of Abel reference. It says, "The blood of Abel's sacrifice only provided a temporary covering, but Christ's mm-hmm. blood sacrifice declares eternal forgiveness." And and that's that's what also, I want to that was also
1: that was that was one of the original sins too. Aside from the eating the fruit. Just quickly and, and sorry, sorry to interrupt, but that was one of the original sins too. I mean, that was the first murder in recorded history, and right. and like you said from from the study Bible, it was temporary, and I imagine maybe that's that's why the you know the the Jewish people began sacrificing animals. Um, they were I mean they were commanded by God to do so, but yeah, just v- very interesting out of out of the study Bible there for sure
0: yeah and i don't know there's always a few interesting ties with when you're reading things like this like abel there's probably many reasons why he was mentioned there um but as i said i think there's a distinction even with fear we're talking about fear Uh, i think that there's such thing as healthy fear yep um this is something that even for any listeners that are, are knowledgeable of like jordan peterson uh, speaks of fear that it it can actually be a healthy thing to have some fear because sometimes fear can motivate you to take action, uh, to avoid basically the worst case scenario, um, in your life. For example, the fear of, of failure is something that does motivate us to take action. Now, if you dwell on that fear and all you can think about is failing, then that's a different story. But the initial feeling of, you know, the fear of, for example, having nothing, maybe that, maybe that provokes you to take action, to make something of yourself. That's not a negative thing per se, but I think dwelling upon that fear is really where the issue comes in. Um, even Moses's fear here in verse 21, I am trembling with fear. That fear is something that is, you know, even in that moment, it's not something that he's necessarily dwelling on. It's just the fear of God, which is respect in the same way that Um, this may be a watered down analogy somewhat, but I feel like modern day and whether it's warranted or not in the same way that you'd be fearful if the FBI was at your door. Like in that moment, it's a fear out of respect because you know that agency and what it represents. It's serious um, authority figure in our country in the same sense that God is the ultimate serious authority figure in our lives. So I, I do think there's a distinction between unhealthy and healthy fear. Um, before we read this main passage here But uh, do you want to split up 22 Genesis 22
1: Definitely And I'm not going to add anything else Just one quick comment before we get into the reading And I'll let the, the, the scriptures speak for itself But I think this Abraham's attitude here Is a picture of What fear should look like Because I'll bet when Abraham is Was issued the command that we're about to read here He was terrified
0: Hmm
1: so do you just want to have it though? Or read the uh, first? What,
0: read 22?
1: Yeah. Like read first eight verses or something. And then I'll take the other, the second half.
0: Yeah. I'll okay. go one through eight, 22, one through eight, Genesis 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love Isaac and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you as the two of them went on together Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham Father Abraham replied yes my son the fire and wood are here Isaac said but where is the lamb for the burnt offering Abraham answered God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering my son and the two of them went on together
1: we Read um, through verse 10 cuz I think that's an even better like cliffhanger cliff, cliffhanger point
0: the cliffhanger yeah. right, I got
1: you
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, When they reached the place God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Oh.
1: What? Oh. First First time I ever heard this story, that was, you know, I mean, it was at a very young age. But just thinking, what's going on here? Is, is Has Abraham completely lost his mind? Is Do we serve a God who gives us ridiculous commands to to kill our own son. Mm. It's it's definitely, you know, from from the outside looking in, it's a disheartening story to read. But I think it just shows first of all, we'll see here what God's plan is in this situation. But I, and if you want to expand on it more, I'll, I'll let you take it if you want to. But just think about what we referenced earlier about, you know, what, like probably 70 years of his life, maybe 80 years of his life, Abraham is waiting for a son. And he did have one with, with Hagar, with his son Ishmael, but that son has now been, you know, sent away and he no longer gets, you know, he's lost that son, basically, already. Not not to death, but to separation and exile, really. And so, think from Abraham's perspective here. And, and God even says it in, in verse 2. Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. I mean, Joseph, mm. neither one of us are fathers yet. But just think about, you know, in you know whether it's a decade from now or 15 years from now or or maybe sooner if you do have a son and you were given this command that would create it would be very difficult to keep that from creating an unhealthy fear of god
0: mm. yeah and i do want to note really quickly um some interesting parallels i'm mm-hmm. not sure if you picked up on oh yeah but um, then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love. Obviously, God's son, Jesus, his only son. Uh, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. I will show you. And then on the third day is mm-hmm. when Abraham went and took Isaac up to sacrifice him, which, again, we know Jesus rose again in three days. Uh, that number three is, comes up quite a bit in the Bible. Um, and I don't know if you notice this, but to me... It was just very visceral, you know, when Isaac says, father, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Like, I can't imagine being in that position as a father
1: hmm.
0: and you know what you're about to do with your son and he's asking you like, dad, where's where's the sacrifice? Hmm. And it's him. Oh, that just makes me sick thinking about that.
1: Yeah. Um. One, well, an, an- another parallel too here because you did a great job expanding on those first ones. And that's kind of something that we talked about in in our last episode, actually, near, near the end of the episode, probably the last like 10, 15 minutes or so, was uh, this gives us a picture. And again, there's no real way to to understand it in human terms, what it would have felt like for God when Jesus was crucified. But we get that picture here. I mean, these are the emotions that God the Father would would have felt, and it's it's a little different because Jesus knew that he came to earth to be this sacrifice. Obviously, Isaac did not know. Um, but then the other parallel that I was going to reference as well is God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And for years and years and years, the that was literal lambs or or other animals that were sacrificed at the temple. But the ultimate and and he's he's given this name in the bible he's it's kind of interesting he's both the good shepherd but he's also the lamb of god and that's where i would say that originates from is he was the ultimate the comprehensive the end all be all burnt offering was jesus christ when he came to this earth and lived a perfect life and then died on a cross and so I think it's just like you said beautiful parallels here um that especially after the conversation we had in the last episode have just such a deeper meaning now and it's it's just it's an amazing story to read especially with the idea in mind of of what what Jesus came to do and what his sacrifice means for us
0: Yeah and it also reminds me of the initial part of the conversation and also this this uh, reference to abel which is um the totality of christ's sacrifice is something we talked about last episode but um (laughs) it's it's just amazing it never gets old talking about it i know it's not necessarily extremely uh pertinent in this exact story but um Praise God for the totality of Jesus' sacrifice and how it's evident in all types of different types of scripture. Mm. Even the very first book here in Genesis. Yeah. Isn't that incredible?
1: Yeah. It yeah. Is. So
0: I mean, everywhere you look, man, it's it's everywhere you look. But you can go ahead and take uh, eleven if you want.
1: Sure. So remember we left off, Abraham was was taking out the knife to to slay his his son. Pick it up in verse eleven of Genesis twenty two. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from he- heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burn offering instead of his son. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beershe- Beersheba, and Abraham stayed in Beersheba.
0: What do you think about the uh, the how the angel responds to Abraham?
1: You mean in verse 12 or verse 15? 15. Well, first of all, I'm trying to remember if this is the term, but I, I think when, when the Old Testament references angel of the Lord, I believe it is a reference to Jesus himself making a pre, pre-birth appearance on earth. Um, but of that response, I think it shows that if we obey God— and have a true righteous fear like it says that that abraham had here now i know that you fear god you know it's it's not that we'll have the same blessing necessarily as abraham here with descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and sand on the seashore but it shows that by trusting god and again like we've talked about in the episode before whether it comes in this life or the next we will be blessed
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm looking at my, again, my MacArthur study Bible, uh, verse one, it said, God tested Abraham. This is not a temptation, rather God examined Abraham's heart. Hmm. And then uh, 22.12, when the angel says, now I know that you fear God, um, this says Abraham Abraham passed the test. He demonstrated faith that God responds to with justification. And I've heard the saying that, Like, God doesn't test us. Like, God won't test us. But I I think that this kind of flies in the face of that idea. And I'm just curious if you have any experience where you feel like God was testing you and you passed the test. Because I think that's a very interesting subject.
1: Well, I I think it's a simple answer would be... And I'll try to see if I can maybe think of a specific story or example, but I feel like it's on a, on a day-to-day basis. We're constantly tested. Well, I, I, I see, I, I guess maybe this would be where it differs, but faced with an opportunity, you know, between tested versus temptation from, from Satan. But, you know, just day-to-day when we have a chance to, to sin, to mess up, and we trust God and we don't commit that sin... I feel like that would be an example. Um, yeah, I, I don't re- I wouldn't say if I have a specific story or example. Um, I, I, I guess maybe when it comes to ang- anxiety and everything, that being a test, because especially as I got older, because I started dealing with anxiety when I was like 9 or 10. It started off pretty young for me. And as I got older then, you know, through through help from my parents, because really at that age, they they along with my siblings were the only ones I shared that with. Um, mm-hmm. They threw a, uh, a godly perspective, and obviously God first of all helped get me through that. But as I got older, I did start to look at it as a test, and not so much in the sense of like God. Well, no, I guess I would say it was it was a test to to really show how much I trusted and depended on God. And I, I also look at it from the perspective of it's a test because when you do better in a certain test, you're then able to help others do a test. I mean, just like if, you know, for y- if you have like a, a younger sibling who takes maybe the same class as you, you can maybe kind of help them know what to expect either on tests or just kind of in a class overall. But, um, you know, that's that's kind of how I looked at dealing with anxiety allows it allows me now to help other people who deal with it and also has strengthened my resolve when I deal deal with it as well. But yeah, I would say that actually is probably the example that I would say for when I was tested, because it really developed my trust in the truth, in God's truth, and just his power through through tests and trials. So yeah, I would say that's that's my example, and I would encourage everybody, no matter what you're going through, and I know this sounds like you know, easier said than done, but truly, truly trusting in God is what will get you through that. And I feel like when people aren't able to do that, it's because they don't have a true deep abiding trust in Jesus.
0: Yeah. And I, I would echo what you said about the daily opportunities. Um, Something I'm very passionate about is, and you know this Peter by now is apologetics, right? It's, 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 being able to defend your faith. It's being able to effectively share your faith, why you believe what you believe. And I think daily, um, we all have opportunities almost all the time, at least almost daily, if not daily, um, where that conversation can come up and we have a choice whether we want to pursue that conversation. Something that I've heard, I think last week in my life group, somebody uh, was talking about the fact where that they just don't know why they don't seem to to talk about their faith especially at work and I asked them a question I said well how often do you have conversations that happen where you hit a fork in the road and, and one direction is you can easily take it in that direction about faith or you can just ignore it how often does that happen and mm-hmm. that force said they said you know I never really thought about it like that and it happens quite often I think oftentimes even that could be a test um, when that line comes and when that opportunity comes are we gonna take that leap of faith and take that leap that requires us to be open to the potential of us being judged by that person. Um, just a witness to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I'm not going to lie. There's something right now that I'm thinking about after this podcast, um, an opportunity, an opportunity tonight that I have. And, um, I'll, I'll probably talk to you about it, Peter, afterward, but it's one of those things where, you know, you either take on your, take up your cross and, and do it, you know, proudly and, and unashamedly or pass on that opportunity. And, um, it's something that requires much prayer and, uh, and faith. And like you said, it's just ultimately having that ultimate trust in God because, um, I'm not sure if we talked about it last week, but something that, that I've experienced before I got involved in my church and before I, I think in my life, I made a very, very serious effort to prioritize the Lord. Um, I feared having to restructure my life because it takes a lot of work In the sense of my friends, right? My close circle, uh, making sure that people in my close circle love the Lord. That was, that was a tough task of restructuring that because you put years and years into your relationships and friendships and memories and all this and that to the point where you don't want to have to take that leap and restructure. It's just a lot of work and you don't know the unknown. It's, you know, it's a leap into the unknown. And I think sometimes that can be daunting um, and a test from the Lord. You know, he, he convicts us when we're not living our lives fully for Him. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways where God can test us, but I don't think every every time that we perceive that He's testing us, He is because there can also be, you know, darts from the enemy and and fearful and just afflictions that are not from God. Um, that we can perceive as somehow God testing us. Now it did say that. Uh, I think there's a scripture about the Lord will never tempt you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll never be tempted beyond what you can overcome.
1: Yep.
0: So the Lord won't tempt you, period. But when you are tempted even by the enemy, it's, it's nothing that you cannot overcome. So I think that's an important distinction as well, is God testing us in a healthy manner and, and the difference between that and God tempting us. Because what would be the point of God tempting us? That's, hmm. I, I think that's a much different context.
1: It would set us up to fail. I don't like know if you have fail. any thoughts on that. Right. Yeah, I mean, he would set us up to fail, and, and obviously, at, at his deepest core, God can't even look upon sin, so why would he, you know, dangle a sin in front of us? I, I would say it's more him using what—it's almost like it's almost like he's—and this shows the power that he has—it's almost like he's taking advantage of the devil's schemes to to grow us closer to him. Mm. I feel like that's a perspective that very few people have. That it's not that we're being, you know, that, that God is creating these these sins in our own mind or that he's presenting these opportunities to us, but he's using what he knows the devil is going to do and try to, which is to try to bring us apart from God and to bring us down and to just leave us wallowing in our sin. And God's like, no, that's that's not how it works in in my in my creation, it's mm-hmm. to use to use that to instead grow them closer to me. You know, you, you, it's, I, I try not to use this analogy too much, but I feel like it fits here. It's like working out a muscle. You don't break down those muscles and even like you obviously have like the micro tears that you do when you're building them so that they fall apart. You're doing that so they can be built up. And I think that, you know, I don't think it's a perfect analogy, but I think that's kind of what applies here you know, those those tests, they might sting, they might tear us a little bit, but really they provide growth and they're never gonna, it, it, unless we let them, and that's the key here, is whether you let that happen and let it tear you apart from God, or whether you fight through it and trust that God's gonna get you through it and, and lean on others around you. Um, yeah, and again, it's it, it is an opportunity for growth and for becoming closer to God than it is for, than it is what the devil wants, which is to tear us away and to break us down and to leave us in darkness.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have that scripture pulled up actually, uh, James one 13 through 15, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself mm-hmm. tempts no one, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin when it is fully grown brings forth death so again Jesus is teaching the wages of sin are death mm-hmm. sin, sin sin, brought to full, full fruition is death but God himself tempts no one and uh, in this commentary it says let's see uh, God tempts no one God purposes trials to occur and in them he allows temptation to happen but he has promised not to allow more than believers can endure and never without a way to escape. Hmm. They choose whether to take the escape God provides or to give in. Um, So yeah, it's an important distinction between uh, you know, a test from God, which I think is more about faith rather than temptation into sin um, that Abraham faced here. And clearly the angel of the Lord was pleased and said this. Now I know you are faithful. Um, and God stepped in. But I think an important lesson from this is the utmost faith that Abraham displayed when taking his his one and only son hmm. to sacrifice. Because even if God would have taken his son, Abraham knows um, that God will be faithful and that there is a reason for that. As gruesome and as crazy as that sounds, that is the reality of the God we serve, is that the most terrible circumstance he can use for good. That's kind of, I think what you were saying a little bit there earlier too, but
1: yeah, very well said. And yeah, that, that, that James passage was a really good poll to, to reference. Um, but if you're ready, I'm ready to dive into this Hebrews 11, eight through 20 passage. Cause I feel like it gives us a little bit, a little bit more additional supplemental information about what Abraham's faith looked like and, what some of the results of that were.
0: Yeah, definitely. Just really quickly. I'm mm-hmm. going to read this other section from James cause it's about the testing of our faith and we can go into Hebrews right after that, but I think yeah. it's relevant.
1: I'll read Hebrews. This is just
0: James one, uh, James a servant servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion of in the dispersion. Greetings count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. So just really quickly on that and we can get right into Hebrews. Um, I do think that kind of speaks to me and we've talked about it before, but just the the effect of momentum in our lives Mm -hmm. and being proactive. And even when we feel like we're, we're good with our relationship with God, um, remaining proactive and on the offense to maintain that positive momentum and that discipline with the Lord, um, because as it as you overcome those tests it give you it gives you ultimate confidence the further you become and, the, and you further yourself from sin the more confident you are to overcome that sin um and as it says for you know that this that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness right it it it's gives us confidence and momentum. So I think that's an important takeaway here to, to throw in here in the discussion. Uh, but it, unless you have any comments on that, you can read Hebrews or, or give some thoughts.
1: Yeah. I I, I had something on, on what you were talking about. Um, momentum. Yeah. Momentum. And there's kind of a second point in there. Maybe.
0: Well, maybe come back to it, but yeah. you can go to Hebrews and see if it comes back.
1: Definitely. Um, so this is Hebrews eleven verses eight through twenty. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And so th- this talks about another part of Abraham's story actually that we didn't reference. and it'll say here he he left as he left his home country where he was from, trusting God to provide for him when he went there. So I'm glad, I'm glad I chose this passage because I completely forgot about that part of Abraham's trust in God. Picking back up in verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to, his, to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Thousand, you know, 2000, 3000 years later, the promise that God made to Abraham came true. That's my own thoughts. Back to verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. And by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. I've got a couple takeaways if you want to go first and then I'll either add or, um, just, yeah. Yeah. Add, add to whatever you have to say.
0: Well, again, the very beginning, as you said, something we nef- didn't necessarily touch on as much, but it's still a common theme here is, um, Oh, being o- obedient, obedience, excuse me, <laughs> <but> obedient. <laughs> when he was called to go out to a place that he received it as inheritance, but he did not know where he was going. Again, it's, it's what I was saying about, um, that leap into the unknown. I feel like as, as our walk with Jesus is, we're continually faced with opportunities. And, um, as just just part of growing is that you, as you continue to grow, you're going to hit points where you have to take that next leap. Okay. Um, you're going to, you, you got that leap about restructuring your friend group, the leap about restructuring, maybe even people you're around family wise. I mean, everything you're, you're, weekly planning, um, you know, being involved in church and serving all these things require of us that leap into the unknown. And then again, the faith that Sarah displayed with the ability to conceive, um, since she considered him faithful who had promised it's, it shows the utmost ultimate faith, um, in the Lord. And I think, you know, it's, it's maybe it's common sense. Maybe it's, it's uh, cliche to say, but back to the initial theme of the podcast is that, um, you know, faith and joy in that spirit of of having those things is essential in our walk with God. And, and he honors that faith, you know, even in times we've talked about in the the past before, um, and trials, even when you don't feel that faith, the feeling of, you know, the emotion or feeling of faith, even speaking and walking in faith, even when you don't feel like it eventually will come back around and God will honor that because, um, By faith, you're saved through grace, not by works. Um, If you have the faith of of a mustard seed, Jesus said you'd be able to move mountains. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. the principal requirement of walking with God. So that's my main takeaway from this.
1: Yeah, I I think it's also... It's interesting. I didn't really notice this before, but just from looking a little bit over the verses again, while while you were talking, I think verse 13 is kind of interesting as well. I mean, it is very interesting. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then it talks about how they were looking forward to a better country, a heavenly one. That right there talks about what we've what I've kind of what I have, and I think you have as well referenced on the podcast that we're not always going to get what we're promised here on on earth in this life. We'll see things that maybe we wanted, from from a distance like it says here but it's the, the important thing is to remember and and this is you have to measure this because you don't want to just be looking forward to heaven and do nothing on this earth that's that's not a healthy mindset to have mm-hmm. but it's important to understand that true fulfillment is only going to come when we are in our real home our heavenly home and so again it's it's so important to balance that mindset because you can either become too earthly focused and just live as wild and as free as you can on this earth but at the same time you can become so enraptured in, in with making that journey to heaven that you don't do God's work here on earth so it's it's so important balance is key in everything but especially with this understanding that you need to have a I guess heaven centered View of life on Earth, and, and again, it's not focusing on just one over the other. It's about balancing the two, and and yeah, the the faith of Abraham. It shows the the rewards that that happened for him as well. And uh, it's also interesting. I think verse nineteen kind of stood out to me and twenty actually for two different reasons. The first one is that Abraham, what and again, the writer of Hebrews is kind of a mystery. Paul is. Likely the one who wrote it We don't know for sure um, I, I, wh- Whoever the author is They're they're saying here That Abraham Basically was ready to kill Isaac Because he was like If this is God's will Let it be And I believe If it's in his plan He can God can raise Isaac from the dead So that's the The first point of Kind of my final thing Wrapping up here And then the reason I Included verse 20 Is because faith like this and we've both seen it with our parents can be passed down to the next generation. And if you continued re- reading in this passage, I believe we, we would see more about Isaac and Jacob and Esau and and then Joseph later on and all all the rest of those, you know, descendants of Abraham. And so and it even it goes all the way then to to Jesus the son of God being from from the line of Abraham. It shows that Passing that along, and this is what we kind of talked about, obviously, with my dad last in last week's episode is, you know, it benefits future generations if we live out our faith and teach, teach our children to live out that faith as well. So beautiful picture, I think, to just kind of wrap up, you know, my thoughts on this passage.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't I can say it better myself. Um, and another topic Really, that I think you and I will face in the future um, is like you are saying about your dad, you know, we talked about last week and the responsibility of us as fathers to lead our household and lead our, our wives and families. Um, there's going to be moments in our lives where, you know, we feel like Abraham did where he didn't know necessarily where he was going, but he trusted God's guidance. And um, I almost think that that is something where, you have to be in touch with the Holy spirit and be in this on the same page as God. If you're going to like be able to listen to him and know where he's leading you because back to the initial point of fear, if Abraham would have feared all these outcomes, there's no way that he would have seen clearly and he probably wouldn't have obeyed God. Right. He probably wouldn't even have taken his son up there. If he was thinking about, well, what's going to happen if Isaac dies, what's going to happen? Um, if, if this or that, you know, all these different outcomes, he wouldn't have been able to see clearly and even trust God to follow his direction. And I think the oxymoron in that analogy is in our lives, you know, a certain way that this has been said in our conversations in the past is that the obstacle is the way. And oftentimes what seems to be the most like hard, impossible path ends up being the way that God wants you to go. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think like I said, you have to be in tune with the Holy spirit and you have to trust God. And that's, that comes from a spirit of faith and joy and not fear. I think fear can literally block, Hmm. you know, can block you in a lot of ways from being in communication with God. I forget what scripture it was, but it was something of, you know, if you lack faith, God can't even hear your prayers because you're so fearful that there's no point of even praying. It's like, you're talking to that wall right there. You don't even think that God will hear you. Hmm. So, um, in many different aspects, I think that the spirit of faith is required of us as Christians to lead our lives, but especially um, with you and I, Peter, and all the men listening to the podcast, as men, um, one day to lead our families, if you're already a a husband or father right now, um, you're you're already experiencing that right now, but I think it's just a higher calling on us believers, and Abraham displayed that faith, and um, it's just a beautiful story and picture for us to be able to try to mimic in our lives. Um, and a reminder for us when we face hard times and indecisive, and, and maybe tough situations that don't seem ex- extremely clear to trust the Lord, depend on Him and, and trust that He will lead us in the right direction. So those are my thoughts on that whole passage and really the the, the podcast as a whole.
1: Very well said. I, I just want to add quickly because I, I love this part of, of, of what you were saying, especially was um, like just about the The obstacle is the way it's like going through a desolate desert or a challenging mountain when you're going through that struggle it is a struggle and you'll want to give up and turn back and try to just get through it on your own but by depending on God that extra you know extra strength and peace and wisdom that he provides you're then able to get out of that desert and come into an oasis or get over that mountaintop and see a beautiful valley in front of you you know filled with with you know you know food or you know a lake or something like that I'm just having kind of a picture in my mind right now of what what that looks like but but yeah it's Incredibly well said, well said by you, Joe. And it's such an encouraging picture to, to realize, like you said, that the obstacle is the way. It's a part of life where because of sin, we will all face challenges, tests and trials in our lives. But truly by trusting in the truth, we can overcome those, we can defeat those. And at the end of the day, we will have a solid foundation in God. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, uh, uh, just to really to underline what I was saying and what you were saying, Hebrews eleven six says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's not a reason to seek God, but he does reward us if we seek him earnestly, which means honestly and without expectation of, of, you know, reward. Um, but if we don't have faith, it's impossible to please God and pretty difficult, I would assume for, him at all, if he, if he hears at all, to hear our prayers and our requests and for us to be able to trust him in, in leading our lives. I mean, again, underlines the importance of daily, daily. This is something we, we say every podcast, but daily, getting in your word daily, mm-hmm. praying daily, being in communication with those who love God daily. Uh, that discipline is absolutely necessary for us as believers. And if we're not doing it, we're going to see the consequences. So... Uh, unless you have anything else to say, Peter, I think that's about it for, for this episode. I think uh, we, we summed everything up pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the last thing, and, and whether it comes back to me or not, could you read that? Cause, I mean, because it was a great passage, even if it just stands alone. Could you read the second? Actually, even if you maybe had both, both of the James passages again, I think those were really good that to, to kind of close the episode. Yeah, I, I need to pull them up real quick. I okay. have those in my Bible, so. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I just, while you're searching for those, I I think this episode, I hope, was as encouraging to you as, as a listener as I, I know it was to both Joe and I, and I pray that, you know, something you could pull out of this. I know the overall theme was trusting trusting God in, in challenges and trials, um, just having faith in general, and a healthy, reverent fear of God, I would say, are the main takeaways that I found from the episode today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to wrap it all up, I got James here. James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, I'll, just read, I'll just go ahead and read through here, through verse 14. That's where it stops. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the lord if he is he is a double minded man unstable in all his ways let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation because like a flower of the grass he will pass away for the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass its flowers fall and its beauty perishes so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial when for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So I think an important note, first of all, faith, obviously underlying that, number one. Uh, Number two, having joy when you're tested, as it is from the Lord, as long as it's not temptation. And number three, Um, let's see Uh, stopping sin at its root which is at the desire level Mm where we are human beings occasionally our flesh will try to rise up and that desire may rise but it's at the desire level that you cut that out and you don't let it you don't let it mole you don't let it grow into the action which is sin and when sin is fully grown it brings death Mm -hmm. so cutting that sin out at the desire level is what we need to do as believers but I do think that's a good way to wrap everything up Peter so uh, with that being said would you just, like to pray?
1: Yeah, and, and and one, I guess I'll just incorporate it in into the prayer here to, to close it out. Uh, I'm glad I'm glad you reread that because it did come back to me. Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for an incredible conversation with Joe that I pray impacted at even just one person. Like we always say, God, because the angels rejoice when one person comes to you. And to to start before I forget it forget it again, I pray that. We would realize that the sinful desires that we have, well, yeah, we could say they're they're sourced originally from the devil. They are desires of our own heart, Lord. So I pray that you would help both Joe and I and everybody listening to not fall into the trap that, as human beings, we almost always fall into, and that's shifting the blame. Always quick to to find somebody else to blame when when we mess up or when we're we're going through a trial or something, Lord. Um, but I pray that we would take ownership of when we when we mess up, and but also, Lord, to to understand that you're the one who gets us through those, and to to praise you and give honor when it's where it's due when we are able to avoid those sins. And Lord, I just just want to wrap it up with just praying for, for all that we talked about today, that we would have the faith, faith of Abraham, that we would have the fear of Abraham, again, not a fear of terror or just feeling that you're going to oppress us because that's not who you are, God, but understanding that you do have power. You are, you are omnipotent, uh, and omnipotent. And so Lord, I just, I, I pray for for everybody who, who listened to this episode, that that you would be just on their hearts and on their minds daily and that you would continue to use Joseph and, and I, not so we can build ourselves up or so we can bring honor to our name, but that we would bring honor to your name and impact the world for you.
0: Hmm. Lord, I want to echo everything Peter said and just, again, thank you for the ability to speak um, the truth to people who this may reach, Lord, I pray that it would reach somebody who needs to hear it. Um, if not multiple people, I pray that you continue to guide Peter and I's conversation as time goes on. Um, and just really remind us, Lord, as you said in your word, um, through the confidence of Abraham and, and his faith and ultimate faith in you, even to the point of sacrificing his own son, which is unbelievable. I pray that we'd apply that faith to our lives in every area uh, that we possibly can. And also, God, just re- being reminded that faith is required and we can't be, you know, we can have doubt, but it's important that we overcome those doubts and not let the doubt to rule our minds. Um, and that it is necessary that we have faith in order, in order to live for you, Lord. And, uh, just really praise you for our trials and our tests, um, as they build our faith and our steadfastness as James, as it says in James, again, praise you for this day, for the podcast. Um, so grateful for just the ability to to speak the word and truth to others in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that wraps up episode 38 if you guys made it this far we are truly appreciative make sure you like and rate the podcast as always share this with somebody who needs to hear it and with that being said this is your host joseph staden signing out peter Burtnett signing out we'll see y'all next week peace peace